Welcome to Tales from the Tables with your hosts, Rob Bradley, John Charles Ceccarelli, and James Burroughs. Yo, how are we doing? Episode 18. Woo! Here we go. Yo ho! Wow. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Hey. How you doing? Sticking that pirate right? theme. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. We were just That's talking right. about pirate shows and we were talking about One Piece because I've just started that on Netflix and the live action, not the mm-hmm. thousand episode long anime yet. Um, and then James, you were talking about how good Black Sails uh, is. Black Black Sails, I think it's my favorite pirate thing of all time. And yeah, uh, Pirates, really? Pir- Pirates of the Caribbean is very good, but Black Sails, uh, it's like a prequel to Treasure Island, is awesome. Oh wow, is so, it really? So, yeah, yeah. So it's, oh, yeah, wow. it's written as like a, but it, then it incorporates real life pirates as well into the narrative, and it's it's very cool. Um, but yeah, it's, oh, wow. it's okay. really strong. I'm definitely I, I, I need more pirate in my life. I. I will contest you, no matter how good you say Black Sails is, I think the definitive action entertainment in terms of the pirate world of all time is the Muppet Treasure Island. I, can, I, I immediately can see it. It's that Cabin Fever song, isn't it? Yes, you yeah. remember Cabin Fever. Yeah, yeah, Cabin Fever. Um, Tim Curry at his absolute best. Oh, just what a curry. what a cast <laughs> just tim currying it up yeah yeah he is great at yep. that. Oh, yeah. that is i i quote that unnecessarily often in, in especially mm. in games where like it, i especially if i have an artificer in the group and they were i think this happened when um uh my players were fighting some grimlocks and they were barely capable of speech you know it was very like unga bunga and the artificer pulled out like an L, uh, like one of those um ballista or those cannons that they have and the Grimlock was like, mm, we see you have boom boom stick. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't um, understand why the Muppets haven't done more things like that because the Christmas Muppets Christmas Carol is also one of my fa- I think it's probably my favorite Christmas movie. Yep. Got, and mm, Muppets Treasure Island, incredible. Just yep. I, do, do that. I, I sadly know the reason. They were bought by Disney. Uh, that's oh. true. The, the corporate, you know, they, you, the know they fired, you know, they fired Frank Oz. Yeah, oh, yeah, I heard about that. I was like, how do you fire Frank? His name is synonymous with Muppets and and puppetry. Mm. Like, how how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Except some some complete random playing Miss Piggy. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't sound anything it's, like it's Miss Piggy. Stuff right. No, no, it's not it's right. Not. It's not it's right. Not. Yeah, you're right though, James. Those films were great. Like the like Muppets. Christmas Carol, like I, I like if I if that's on on Christmas Day morning, it's Christmas Day. Yeah, and I'm, I'm you like, have I'm to like, watch yeah, it. Oh, it's Christmas Day. Muppets Christmas Carol's on. Amazing. So I, I love I love the articles that are always like, oh, you can watch the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's a fantastic film, but you need to know that Michael Caine, Sir Michael Caine, um, mm-hmm. ha- treats it as if it was a serious project the whole time. He yeah. doesn't know that he's in a movie with Muppets. He just treats them like real actors, and for all. For that exact reason, it's stellar. It yeah. just oh, yeah. it's so well. I think I think <laughs> I've read bad. somewhere that someone someone put it perfectly. It was like Michael. My, the reason Muppets Christmas Carol works so well is because Michael Train Michael Caine treats all the Muppets like they're humans. Yeah, and Tim Curry <laughs> Tim Curry works in the Muppets movie because he acts like a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Brilliant. What would be a yeah. good Muppet movie adaptation? Like, what or what? What movie or franchise would work super well as the Muppets? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good right. point. I feel like hmm. I'd I'd love to see like a Lord of the Rings, but it would <sighs> it would be too long. You wouldn't be able to get it all oh, in. Yes, yeah, that'd in, be good. In, in, in that, one follow up question in that universe that we have a Lord of the Rings trilogy with the Muppets, <laughs> who would be the one central sort of live action? Ian McKellen player. Ian <laughs> McKellen is Gandalf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like everyone to, else is a Muppet. Yeah. I would definitely like to see a, a live a live action version of Pigs in Space. I don't know if you guys remember the Muppet Show I when it used to be on Pigs TV. They no. used to, so on the original Muppet Show in the seventies. They'd have like a skit where it called Pigs in Space, and it was basically like, <laughs> a, like a basically a load of pigs uh, with Miss Piggy, and they were like on like board like the Enterprise flying through space. And yes basically that. So that that would be that would be fun if they did like if they did like a tv we show called pigs in space actually 
it's like a Star Trek uh, mm. Muppets movie. That would be yeah. cool. That would be cool. And you yeah, get you get a Sir Patrick Stewart to come back and reprise his role as Picard, but everybody yep. else is puppets. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else is puppets. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah. Just the, the best Shakespearean actors possibly. surrounded by surrounded by muppets constantly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what that's what we want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, brilliant. Mm. You guys ever seen Galaxy yeah. Quest? Yes. yes. God, I actually just that rewatched film. that not that long ago. It's such a good film. I've not seen it. It's been a long time. Space nerd as well. I've never that's right. That's right. It it is the perfect um, parody that we needed of Star Trek without it being up its own butt. Essentially, about nice. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's heavily influenced and inspired by it. You can see it everywhere, but it doesn't directly make fun of Star Trek as much as it directly makes fun of itself. Kind of, it's yeah, very yeah, very yeah. tongue in cheek. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Or, or of the culture of around it, right? Like the conventions and the signings and the nerds and the uber nerds that more know about the show than the actors yeah. on the show and stuff like that. It's um, yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Alan Rickman is in it, <laughs> basically yeah. doing exactly what you think Alan Rickman would do, Amazing. playing an over the top character and being very annoyed by it. Like it's <laughs> it's so yes. meta in and of itself. It's great. That is, that is awesome. I heard that uh, Christopher Eccleston was um, was basically what what Alan Rickman's character was in Galaxy Quest. Christopher Christopher Eccleston behaved exactly that way when he played the Dark Elf in uh, Thor, the new the, the yeah. fourth film that came out. Yeah. Oh, it he was hated. that he, Christopher Eccleston. Oh yeah, my he's, god, he sued, he sued them. He sued he sued Disney because he because he in his contract there was nothing that said that he was going to be in makeup for six hours every day. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. You had to get yeah, up at 3 a.m., which, to be fair, you would be pretty pissed off about. Sure, yeah. Sure. Having to yeah. do that and then take it off and then get up early the next morning doing it all over again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was watching an interview day. not that long ago with um, Jim Carrey, and he was talking about his Grinch movie and oh, yeah. how, I don't know if you guys know this, it's kind of mm-hmm. like a factoid that goes around the internet. They hired, I think it was CIA, like a CIA agent who trains operatives how to resist torture because that's how horrible yeah. it was to get into the suit for jim carrey and what? sometimes he opted to just sleep mm. in his suit rather than have to go through the agonizing process of applying it and all the yeah. makeup and all the fur oh my good god yeah yeah i do re- i do remember reading that and thinking mm-hmm. that's totally insane like if it's a, i love the film but i i don't want anyone to have been tortured to bring it to me <laughs> yeah. yeah right yeah yeah, fair it's enough. That bad. It's, that's that's <laughs> insane. And I understand why the studios lean more into CG and mocap and stuff now, because rather like, especially actors maybe don't mind it as much, rather than oh, having yeah, totally. to go and do sit in a chair for seven or eight hours a day, having yeah. this makeup applied, and then have CGI put over the top of that too, as well. In a mm-hmm. lot of cases, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pain. It's pain. <laughs> it's so suffer for your art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I've been dying to share this because it literally only just happened yesterday and it has nothing to do with Muppets or anything that we're talking about or D&D. But yesterday, I think I saw my favorite film of the year and possibly of the last few years, which was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So that is already out of theaters and on Netflix. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in theaters. But holy mackerel, is that a good film? The first thing I wanted to do as soon as I finished it was go back and watch it again. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard it's superb. Yeah, it's I've heard excellent. it's really good. Yeah, I've still yeah. not seen it, but yeah, I, I I do need to. Have you seen the first one into the universe? Um, also, no. Ah, gotta get you. Gotta get you to yeah. watch it. It is phenomenal. Honestly, the the work that they do on it is so beautiful and so rich the writing the voice acting and by the way this the the second movie across the spider-verse has a stacked cast they because if it's about you know multiple spider-men in multiple different realities and universes you see a bunch of spider-men referenced and uh god just a uh a treasure trove of actors and, and known actors in it as well, including in some instances, live action actors in the animated film, right? Oh, wow, very, right. very briefly. 
Um, but without this isn't really a spoiler because there are more cameos. You obviously see Tobey Maguire uh, for a brief second. You see Andrew Garfield for a brief second. But then actually doing their own acting in the movie is Donald Glover, who shows up. Nice. He's kind of like trapped in like a little prison cell. And oh, wow. um, I think he actually even plays. I don't, I don't think he's a Spider-Man. I think he's a villain. But they keep referencing him in all the Spider-Man movies. Like, it should be should have been Donald Glover at one point, guys. Mm-hmm. If we were to ever make a live-action Miles Morales-based Spider-Man, Donald Glover should have been it, you know? Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. community referenced uh, it as well when he was in the running for it. They did yep. have him in Spider-Man pajamas at the mm-hmm. uh, intro to a season. And they put I, him I, in. They put him in a Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, but he was one of the criminals. He's his uncle. He's I think he's he plays Miles Morales, Miles Morales's uncle in that film. So he's uh, the villain who uh, ends up being the prowler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I think he does. He ends up sort of turning his life around in the comics. Anyway, he's not a villain constantly. Right, so. right, right. Oh wow. Yeah. But yeah, so technically, yeah, Donald Glover is in the MCU as Miles Morales's uncle. Yeah, that's, that's wild. wild. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> Have you guys ever have you guys ever run a D&D game where you've had players want to effectively turn their party into a band of superheroes? Ooh. No, not specifically. And I think it would be quite fun to do. But then yeah. there are though there are other systems. I was in a game shop yesterday looking at some mutants and something else that looks like oh, a superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard of this RPG. Let me let me. Let yeah. Me I think I'm pretty sure it's the one that um Oh, George R. Martin and his friends played when they created the um, oh, what's it, the Aces series of uh, of books mutants that they they've and done. Masterminds. That's it. Mutants and masterminds. Yeah. Yeah. Mutants no and classes, ma- and instead relies on feats, skills, attributes, and powers to define your character. Yeah. Very superhero esque. Yeah, um, I was having to yeah. through that. Yeah, that's a good yeah, question, cool. Rob. I I don't think I've ever had a whole party try and be mm. or, or try and go for that, but I've certainly had players that have been superhero inspired. Um, I think it's a little bit less accessible in a fantasy setting and in a system like Five E, but there's ways you can do it. Uh, Sun Soul Monk, <coughs> that one mostly. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah right. You want to be a DBZ character? Just be a Sun Soul Monk. Um, mm. I yeah uh, I would I say I I would probably quite like to play like a Captain America type hero in a mm. in a in a game but shields are sort of pants you can't just have them without homebrewing a little bit around them yeah so yeah you'd have to homebrew a... something right right yeah so that'd, um, that'd be cool could but... could come up with a really cool shield or you could just have yeah. like a Captain America esque character with an animated shield and then he just goes around punching everything yeah <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah do you make him a I suppose you make him a fighter and maybe. I well, I mean, if we're if we're going by characters, I've always said that Captain America is obviously the Paladin, right? Um, that makes then, sense. Yep. Right. Hundred yep. percent. Um, in terms of specific oath, I'd probably say, not oath of the ancients. Um, I don't. I don't really know about the specific oath, but I mostly get added when I say that Thor is actually a cleric. Nobody believes me. He's a storm cleric. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. He yeah, draws his powers from deities because he is one himself, right? Yep. Um, but very with very close ties to Asgard. Even now that Asgard is mostly gone, that's still his the majority of his arc is like he looks out for his people. So yeah, divine inspiration there, lots of thunder and lightning and storm powers, the ability I think he gets the ability to fly at one point. Just give him a dwarven thrower hammer and you've got a Thor. Yeah, right, yeah. Obviously, Hulk would be a barbarian, I guess. Barbarian, yeah. yeah. Berserker yeah. barbarian. Um, yeah. I've put Iron Man as a an artificer, obviously, and I think it's armor is the right one. Yeah. Armor. Armor. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can get flying boots and stuff, can't you? So yeah. That, yeah. The, yeah. Actually, this hardest one to classify is Spider-Man, because you can't really put him yeah, in any tough. one class. He's kind well, of a monk. A druid, maybe? maybe right because of the whole spider thing but like there's no wild shape and he doesn't really have magical powers he's like a weird combo of um monk rogue and artificer exactly because he makes his own webbing but like only like a one or two level dip in that and there's sure i'm sure there's a million you know articles and videos and builds out there that are like well actually spider-man is i don't know a a bard or something because he quips and he casts vicious mockery (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which would be 
funny. Spider-Man is that annoying character that is every class that someone brings to like your yep. level 20 game where it's like, I've taken a class in everything. <laughs> <laughs> One of everything. <laughs> Hope that's okay. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, I guess he can make quips and he can build stuff and yeah, he can punch real hard. <laughs> lunatic <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah very very uh very funny i i suppose what, bat, what would batman be batman would be a artificer as well rogue rogue artificer shadow monk Mm. so basically spider-man just in a darker way <laughs> quite an unpopular class we're, we're drawing on monk quite a bit <laughs> and listen because the flavor and the theory of monk is quite good although he could, mm. you could make an argument that he'd be like a fighter but probably not a battle master fighter unless because that's so heavily based on helping your companions as well and he typically works alone so yeah you know i don't know yeah no, I'm sure there's other builds out there. He's he's definitely a multi-class of some kind. There's a fighter. Uh, I, I, I totally feel Shadow Monk in there somewhere, you know, because mm. he's he clings to them so well, and obviously Artificer for his gadgets. So yeah. What about the Silver Surfer? Oh, God. I don't know enough about him to make to make that judgment call. I never saw the film, mm. and I know like he's supposedly a super overpowered character. Yeah, in, he uh, is. In the lore. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit too full on druid. Because <laughs> he I, can yeah, I couldn't do, I couldn't, I couldn't, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't work out a class. Maybe, maybe a cleric because he's a herald. Oh, is he really? Who's then, he? Oh, for Galactus. Oh. Uh, hmm. Maybe so something like a, uh, maybe like I think a centaur cleric. A centaur cleric because he's got a different part of him. <laughs> Just hmm. yeah, well you know he, he doesn't have a. Centaur. I love that. So, yeah, that would be ridiculous. So, um, yeah, give him give him horse legs instead. Amazing, mm. very cool. Yeah, Hawkeye would be a ranger, wouldn't he? Yeah, or or, or really easy, like, an like, arcane yeah. fighter or an arcane archer oh, yeah, fighter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, actually that's yeah. how I put him once. Um, Black Widow definitely rogue. Um, yeah, I know we're mostly doing MCU, but you know, uh, there's mm. there's lots of builds out there. Black Panther was definitely a monk have that <clears throat> yeah what do you think the main differences is between dc and mcu in terms of like their their basis for superheroes because i always thought it would be because my sort of understanding when i looked at like dc mm. <clears throat> is that it's more focused on secret identities than what mcu is more about like they um i don't know it's like 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 in the like obviously like clark kent is superman Mm -hmm. he he they they more they're more about like their other their other their other sides of their characters rather than mm -hmm, mm -hmm. rather than in the mcu it's like i suppose tony stark to a certain degree but like but with with um with what's his chops captain america um his alter ego is kind of he's always captain himself. america yeah he's yeah. always himself <laughs> you know i think you're right you know i i can only really judge from the mcu versus the dcu because i well obviously I grew up with these characters and I watched movies and cartoon series as a kid. I wasn't a comic book guy. I didn't buy and read comic books very much. So purely judging from their movie counterparts, right? Or their film counterparts. I think you're right, Rob. Honestly, I think the DCU is a little bit more or DCEU is more focused on the, the duality of a superhero uh, yeah. And the kind of alternate lives they lead, with with some exceptions. Obviously, Wonder Woman is kind of always Wonder Woman, not yep. truly, but sort of. Um, and likewise with Aquaman, you don't see him hiding no, that no, no. fact much. Um, no. Whereas the MCU kind of just embraces the fact that there there is obviously elements of that, but they're not like I must put on the mask to protect my identity, and it's more or and I and I must mm. be this different person. Their ideals roughly stay the same. Yeah, so. yeah. I think power level wise, there's a big difference between DC sure. and Marvel, in that DC tends to have more high level, pow higher power characters. Yeah, like Super Superman is is bodying a lot of uh, a lot of the MCU by himself. <laughs> I feel. Mm. Um, but but like be, but beyond that, um, oh, totally lost my train of thought there. No, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the MCU, Marvel. And this is the same for the comics as well as just, not just the MCU, but it's based in real cities, whereas DC 
they they have Fictional. scenes that are also character also characters in their own right. So mm-hmm. not, not mm-hmm. like you know, right. uh, Metropolis and uh, and the rest. Whereas Gotham. Marvel stuff, yeah, it's 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 New York. Yeah, mostly to be fair, that I mean that's like New York's yeah. the main sort of basis for all superheroes out of Marvel. So so far, yeah. Nice. Annoyingly. <laughs> Annoyingly. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Hey, Piggy Carter. <laughs> you got Piggy Carter? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right, James. I've never thought about it that way. But I think DC... So MCU is like a starting campaign. And then DCEU is if you want a high-level campaign, like level 17 to 20. Yeah. <laughs> That's the characters that you would play. Someone's homebrew. <laughs> they're like, oh, are we using Forgotten Realms? No, 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 no. <laughs> It's like Forgotten Realms, but there's all this other stuff we've jammed right. into the geography of it. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. yeah, it is brilliant. So what news do we have, have we got for this week then, James, and then from the RB, RPG world? Um, so not a great deal of new stuff this week. However, the um, there is a D&D studio update. So the 2024 cool rulebook and survey results. Um, there was a video with Chris Perkins and Jeremy Crawford um, to talk about next year's new version of D&D so some takeaway points um if anything functions differently from 2024 in in any of the new books uh the books will have a guide internalized on that to guide you through making sure that it works with everything that you've already got uh i imagine there'll be a lot of um editing to this uh as players find new things that don't quite gel Mm. Um, but it seems that they're keen to to do that to make sure that everything that's already been released is is usable and they've gradually with the new releases of the books they've been doing anyway been moving over to where they will be so if you've bought the new versions of the um the player's handbook and the dm's guide and, and that they released then you you're pretty much not going to have too many more changes on on top of that um so the interesting okay there's been mm. some really good feedback for the archfey warlock um as um it was pretty underwhelming initially from what people were saying so that's um that's good as a lifetime warlock player uh i'm curious what what have you heard <laughs> what are the changes um mm. they, they have not gone into any details about the changes but whatever uh, okay. they did change <laughs> Uh, people are very happy with uh, there is an 89 percent increase in satisfaction with the wow. warlock so <clears> more fame it's a pretty big jump yeah uh so for each class in the new rulebook that's coming out and uh, they're going to get a full page art piece uh, and each subclass will get art as artwork as well so when you're going through your your player's handbook choosing your uh, your class the subclass you'll have a lovely illustration to accompany each one of those which it's something that was a little missing in the the original PhD. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've always felt that way. They've certainly stepped up their game with the art in the more recent editions. They're hiring a lot of MTG artists for yeah. those projects, and the player's handbook is wildly inconsistent. If you if you really pay attention to the art, like There's... some things will look kind of half baked and mm. fuzzy and a little busy, and then other things are very sharp and attention grabbing and yeah um yeah the thing that that annoys me the most about the books is how they went from having really like incredible looking maps that in the in the books they'd be like oh these maps are so beautiful just to just to just having like this black and white just like yeah i was like why did they do that like they were so beautiful before and now they just made them like there you go here's your map yeah, like they did they, in they, starting with Baldur's Gate with the hatch yeah, sort of yeah, design. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, when they did that, it was like I was like, yeah. oh god, dreadful. They turned that around a bit, especially again. So, Keys from the Golden <laughs> Vault had some nice maps in, but there was a little sparse in some places. I still like. Where, them. Are, are uh, the keys from the Golden like Vault maps? Like, sorry, um, are the keys from the Golden Vault maps blueprints? Did I see that at one point, or yeah, is there so a there blueprint? Is, no, so there is uh, there is a blueprint for one of the for one of the heists for one of the adventures. Okay, okay, cool. But each, so each each heist comes with you get like a rough either like a rough sketch of where you're going like handed to you. So there's like a handout version of the map that has mm. details missing and things and is maybe not entirely accurate. And then right. you get to the place and there is a, like an actual map they've put in the book for it. So there's yeah. like two yeah. for every one really. It's quite cool. There's one of the um, 
one of the ones I ran recently for the Spectarium game that I talked about last week. Um, there was the you talk to some characters who build a sandcastle version for you, and there's a, an image of that, that you show the players where they. Uh, <laughs> I've got this sandcastle blueprint to, to that's through. great <laughs> that's pretty that's cool. quite that is really cool um, yeah. but yeah but i've uh, going through the planescape book that's just released the maps for that are now look full color lovely mm. detailed great it seems like they are yeah. continuing to improve that and i think that's probably i imagine it's a bit of feedback they have got i think that's yeah. exactly what it was it was a lot of feedback not not that there's anything inherently wrong with it but you're you're inconsistent because you started with color maps and then you went to these black and white sort yeah. of hatch design maps and then you switched back to color <clears throat> maps i know because i remember seeing it in Baldur's gate and being like why are all my maps these weird red lines and then in icewind dale you get relatively nice color maps and then Right after that, you got hatch maps again, and I forget yes. exactly in what adventure, but it kind of went back and forth. It's just annoyingly jarring, isn't it? It's just like, yeah. why do they do it? I, I, I've never understood why they don't actually just sell maps because I because I, I know they work with like Gale Force Nine, don't they? And they mm-hmm, they do a lot mm-hmm. of their stuff through them. And I've got I've got the Icewind Dale uh, rollout maps that, that you could buy. There's like yeah. two of them, I think, and they and they look they look lovely. Oh, They're nice. great. Yeah. Like, yeah. why don't they just do that with all their books? They just have like oh, all these amazing maps you can buy. They make a killing. I know. I'll always want more from a map. And luckily, you know, there's a huge community out there that will make their own versions of these and things like that. If, but, um, because so many of my games right now are online rather than in person, because with in person, there's a lot more leeway and there's a lot more, um, sort of theater of the mind and you really only bust out the battle map and the, and the, or the terrain when it's time for a fight or when they have to go through a dungeon. Um, but when you're, when you're running a game online, because, you have them on some sort of browser-based, if, you, if you're not doing a theater of the mind online game, um, if you're running something on a VTT of any kind, it's so visual already that it kind of demands their attention. So you constantly feel the pressure, at least I do. I feel the pressure and the need to provide them something to look at. And yeah. if I'm if I have to default back to the world map just to sort of describe a scene as they're traveling, I feel like I'm not doing my job right, you know, in a weird way. I want them to see something to put visuals with whatever I'm describing at the same time. But that's, I think that's my own hang up. I hope nobody else is like that because I could get how frustrating. No, I I definitely am like that. (laughs) I feel feel the exact same way. Yeah. 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 Um, I so so James with this I really wonder um, what people are going to do um, in terms of these new books that come out are people going to stick with what has already been done for 5e or are we going to transition more to these new rule books and eventually to the new edition of D&D that they're working on I think what I'll One. do is just use the monsters that yeah, the most difficult for my players to kill, and um, uh, as per <laughs> usual, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. Just whatever's more more challenging, and I think actually a lot of the time it will be the new ones. Um, mm. you don't have to rely on spell slots, and there's, I think they're balanced maybe a little better for slightly bigger parties. They're getting better at not making them just HP sinks, mm. where you're just bludgeoning away. Yeah. And um, apparently there are new 18 new monsters in the new version of the Monster Manual as well. So when that gets released, not only... What? Get new versions oh, that, that, that piqued my interest. Now we're talking. No details on what those wow. are, but Damn 18 it. new monsters <laughs> in the Monster Manual. So, Bloody hell. So even if just... Even if you were, so maybe if you were on the fence about, oh, do I need to buy another monster book? I'm, I'm, Damn I'm it, they got me. They added stuff. <laughs> of what's already out there. No, they're making new ones. So uh, not only will you get updated versions of everything. They got me. Brand new <laughs> Listen, that's yep. the only thing you really need to do to sell someone is just more content. That It's yeah. that simple. That's it, I mean, yeah. maybe it's not that simple, right? More content, good quality content is difficult to generate. Content is king. Content is king. And the fact that they, you know, there's there's re-releases of things that don't do anything about that. And then they just repackage it up and sell it the same way is a travesty sometimes. Like what they're doing yeah. with this, where they're adding a whole bunch more. If they're unique and if it's not combining it from another book, that's a brilliant stroke. That's that, literally, that's what they should be doing. Right. It's not, we're giving praise, but honestly, that should be the default. That should be what's expected versus what they did with, 
you know, the, the rebranding of the Tasha's and the Mordenkainen and stuff. It's just, oh, we're going to combine and actually cut lore and, and stuff from, from what we've already published. So people who bought Mordenkainen's and Volos now technically have outdated versions of those stat blocks, but yeah. the books were richer in terms of the information you got about these creatures. Yeah, right, they a were. Lot of that pages, a lot of those pages are gone. So It's yeah, a real it's shame. Bizarre. Yeah. It's a real shame. So I, 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 I really loved Volvo's Guide to Monsters. I yeah, read the whole thing. Nice. I read the whole thing and was like, "This is great." Yeah, like, like it'd be wonderful they if they did more layers. of those. Yeah, yeah. layers. They, yeah, they, layers. They go into. I think Volvo's is the one that goes into hags. Quite yes, it a does. Fair bit. Yes, it does. Yeah, I, I, like, that's the bit that got me. I started reading that bit. And I was like, "Wow, I love that." Yeah, like, this is yeah. so sick. And <laughs> it talks about just like what yeah. what a typical layer would look like, but also like how to individualize your hags like oh you know there's covens that are a little bit yeah. more death focused or there's covens that are a little bit more poison focused or covens that are a little bit more i don't know animal focused whatever whatever it might be like yeah gives you ideas and inspiration to sort of customize and gives you templates to work with like yeah Fist, um yeah Fistband's treasury of dragons yeah. yep did the same which is wonderful yeah um, totally. i'm sure bigby's uh glory of the giants which i totally bought and have had zero time to read um probably hopefully does the same as his bands but yeah. yeah then you get things like morden Kanan's monsters of the multiverse which is like we're gonna streamline it for you Ugh. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I get i get what they're trying to do they're trying to appeal to the um the audience that they think they're getting off the back of critical role Mm-hmm. Which is like mm-hmm. the the take the takeaway fantasy audience that yeah 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 I just want to see explosions and magic and wah, wah, yeah roll dice oh great oh one hooray I'm the winner like that's basically <laughs> those players the takeaway which, fantasy I yeah that's yeah, exactly what that's, it's like that's the exactly need what it is. to order quick and delivery yeah kind of thing, that's right? exactly what that's exactly what they're doing that's why they're dumbing down they've dumbed down so many of the monsters because they think that that's the new audience that they're attracted but they're not mm. it's just that it's just that they're just not into it as much yet that's the thing it's like i remember when i started when i started roldark in london four years ago we had a a really good group of players and amongst them there was so many people who were complete beginners who had never played DD before and there was a couple there and i know that they were like they were like they 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 loved it because they'd seen it on stranger things Mm -hmm. and that was literally it and i was like okay cool so what sort of fantasy things do you like they were like uh we just love stranger things and i was like okay sweet no and, other frame of reference and they, yeah that was the only frame of reference and that's totally fine yeah and there was a lot of stuff that i was saying that i knew that was going over their heads because they weren't they weren't like you know they weren't they didn't quite nerds. like they weren't yeah. nerds yeah they weren't they nerds, were nerds. <laughs> they, they yeah, were exactly. like what's an what's an elf but <laughs> now but now but now they are nerds right right now they are getting in, now they are into the law yeah. now they are like into that in that world you know so what what i think the Wizards of the Coast guys are doing with the, the multiverse thing is wrong because it's yeah fine you 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 know you're appealing to that element mm. but that element will eventually become what we all are you know right. they'll love the law they'll love the like the expanse of the, like the the rules they'll love all this stuff yeah. you know it's just it's just you don't need to like dumb it down to attract them they're already mm. attracted to it <laughs> they're already know? attracted to it yeah yeah. I, I I love this topic. I could talk about it for days. I promise yeah. I won't. Um, but I think uh, I'm a hundred percent with you on the fact that I can't stand stuff that is dumbed down. And frankly, we're we're also talking about an edition that's experiencing its own changes as we go through it. But think about the people that have been playing D and D forever, and how streamlined Five E is compared to something like Three Point Five. Absolutely, right? yeah. Or or A D and D. And in some ways, it services that, and in other ways, it detracts from that. And there's a lot of people in the camp that are don't you know you're you're watering down D. it feels like D light you're just trying to make it more accessible and i i'm partly i have a foot in that camp for sure because the more and more we see of it the more it feels like we get a diluted sort of product and then mm. at the same time we've got people in the camp that are like yes but you're also it, it does work to some degree and you're introducing people to a whole new hobby that kind of opens their eyes and it, this is if you will 5e is kind of like a gateway right or a gateway drug to um deeper D lore and you know the possibility of going from a casual a filthy casual <laughs> i'm like I, well, I only watch stranger things what what's what's a what's a dwarf that that feels like an offensive term in this day and age to yeah right people who like will start playing longer campaigns so i can't fault stranger things and critical role and things that are 
mass market because they are bringing new people to the hobby and letting them discover it. Mm. And that success contributes directly to our own enjoyment because we get to get more content based on how popular a system like this is. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, but it's, but at the same time, it's a fine line to walk because you don't yeah, want totally. to feel like your, your product is stagnant. So it has to evolve, but also doesn't dilute it's i get it i get the the trouble what i don't get and this is where i'm going with this is what they did with fandel around below the shattered obelisk oh here we go huh. <laughs> uh-oh so is that jc Harvey's box so it's gonna explode excuse me while i just <laughs> add another soapbox here okay no 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 I'll, I'll keep it very brief i talked about it before on a different episode when when it first came out i had sort of read it and kind of was a little on the fence about it i hadn't quite you know Mm. read through it cover to cover i was just um skimming it um and then i stumbled this week across the alexandrian um which is a review site for DD adventures very well known so much so that they have their own patreon they remix a lot of the adventures their remix of avernus is excellent for instance they add tons and tons of content they fix continuity issues and stuff like that um Yeah, they're a wonderful resource in case you guys are ever looking at published adventures and want to add more stuff in. Um, But they did a great two-section review of um, Fandelver and Below the Shattered Obelisk. And they said, first and foremost, it's impossible to judge this adventure without sort of writing it as two parts. Because the first section is almost a copy-paste of um, Lost Mine of Fandelver, which is a very popular and solid module. And then the rest of it, which expands on it, quote unquote, uh, I had always said kind of feels weirdly, not exactly tacked on, but it feels very um, focused still on Fandolin. And there's not a lot of growth beyond that. Like you're literally delving below Fandolin. It's in the title and that's actually what you do. The majority of the module is just you going further and further underground in an attempt to collect some, you know, MacGuffins to stop a big bad evil thing from happening tm right but they they hit the nail on the head with their review and they said you know what it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like there's a logical flow it tries to be a bit of call of cthulhu the as in the rpg really? it does there's a lot of far wow, realm eldritch influence into it yeah that's kind of the premise <laughs> spoilers um mm. too late um but there's a lot of that and Fandelver itself undergoes a lot of its own weird changes, kind of eldritch mm. changes as the module goes on. Again, spoilers. Um, but the the worst part of it is, and I think this is their biggest sin, and the Alexandrian talks about this a fair bit, is that as soon as you're done with Lost Mine of Fandelver, you're about level five, right? And now you're ready for the adventure to continue and figure out what is the larger thing kind of going on here. And what is the first group of creatures you would assume make their presence known and lead you into further investigations. It's goblins. Again. <laughs> Slightly psionically modified, which is kind of cool at the start, but you, you, you dealt with goblins. It was literally the first adventure over the first part of the adventure and the second part of the adventure up until like level five, you're still fighting bugbears and goblins, which makes sense in the Fandelver context. And then for the added content, they just added more goblins. Fandelver yeah. is once, or Fandolin, the town of Fandolin is once again <clears throat> getting harassed by goblins. Like what? You're you're back here. It feels like you've made no progress. And yeah, you're back right. Where you started. So that's what a cop out. That's dreadful. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> There are there are cool things about it. And if you're looking for some mm. unique dungeons, the module has that in spades, right? There's lovely maps for it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it feels like kind of just a, a sort of more modern Eldritchy go on Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage because it's effectively a very long dungeon crawl until you get to the big bad evil thing that you're looking for. And then there's a little fun stuff at the end, but that's it. Well, so, okay. Yeah, at the risk of sounding like a huge complainer, that is my stance on it. Um, only because I know James and I are big Mind Flayer fans. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a shame, That's isn't it. it? They they don't use yeah. Well, we very odd decision. 
Yeah. Just, on the other side of that, though, I, even though I haven't had time to read it, I've heard that um, a lot of people are pretty actually content with Spelljammer and the adventure that came out of it and its content. So, oh, the Planescape one. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, not not Spelljammer. No, no, Planescape. Planescape. <laughs> Cool. Different. Everybody one. was upset about Spelljammer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've been hearing good things about Planescape, so I'm really excited and eager to dive into that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into some cool. stuff for that as well. I think. Um, yeah, so we... over. That's my time. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't we don't have any tales from the tables from anyone from the community this week, unfortunately. Mm. But we do have some from JC, I believe. So yeah, JC, yeah. would you like to share um, some? I would love to share. I think I'm having to talk more. I'm sorry, um, but no. Um, this one's I think uh, kind of just less a direct tale from the table. I'll, I'll give you the outline of it. I had the longest combat I've ever run. It lasted twenty two rounds. Jesus Christ. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> I, I think he must have been there. How many, how many players? Six, seven, technically, I think. Seven that's not, that's not combat. Rounds. That's not combat. That's a battle, that's isn't it? That's a war. That's war. That's war. rounds ends up being something like pathetic, like three minutes of, of total combat. It lasted two and a half sessions. Um, of four hours each it and, and here's the thing hell. i originally designed this and and number one let me preface this by saying i didn't plan this okay this was brought on purely from the player choices and from them mucking up something that they should have done very differently um, but you have to kind of roll with the punches and secondly i kind of had the idea when i realized that they were not going for the stealthy approach um that I would divide the area that they were assaulting into kind of three sections rather than having the logical thing and having all the defenders come out and contribute all of their might to trying to stop the invasive party. Basically, the party was attacking a fortress with the goal of killing the captain of the guard, who is this corrupt individual that they had been trying to kill. And then, so the fortress is full of guards and a couple of mages and I said, all right, this will be in three stages. First stage will be the response outside, right? The second stage to sort of show that the guards who were expecting the party are meeting the threat and to sort of make them think that they're not walking into a trap, but they are kind of walking into a trap. The second stage is where they get lured inside the fortress and find that there are guards waiting in ambush and that there are some magical and mundane traps all around and people hiding behind doors and up on the rafters and such. Um, and then they'll take a break, right? So they take a break after the outside part, and then they'll take a break after the, sec the, the ground floor assault part. And then the last section of it would be the second floor assault, which is the most difficult of the three, because that's where the mages are protecting the guy that they're trying to kill. And the guy that they're trying to kill is kind of a boss, right? Lots mm. of HP, three attacks per round, not legendary, but... Um, enough to be a very difficult challenge after waves and waves of guards. Yeah. But because the party had players who had cast timed spells on themselves, like mirror image that only lasts for a minute and things like that, they felt the need to continue pushing rather than stopping and kind of reassessing once the threat stopped coming. So the moment that they cleared the guards outside, they were already banging in on the inside. And the moment the ground floor was dealt with, they were already running up the stairs, which is why it took 22 rounds of combat. <laughs> Granted, the last five rounds was mostly them trying to pull their own players out from the fire and stabilize player characters, because at that point, you know, the wood inside the fortress was catching on fire and everything was falling apart. But still... <laughs> It was a lot. Jesus. The only time I've ever gone That's brilliant. that long in a combat was like the end of a two-year campaign. And it was, mm. they, they were fighting a war on multiple fronts. Yep. <laughs> Great. Yep. That's what it felt. Battlefield to battlefield over the course of like three sessions. Yeah. That's honestly what it felt like. It felt like a war. Like a really pitched battle. Ultimately, they were successful, though. It was a really tough fight, especially at the end. Um, you know, the big spells started coming out. They're only level five, and they were getting hit with cones of cold and fireballs at the very end. Um, but they succeeded. There was a character death, but 
Uh, they oh, were dear. revived through mysterious means in the round after, so they are back. Classic. Um, yeah, goes some cursed item that they've had for a while has finally shown its true colors, basically. Um, and yeah, they 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 even met a new character while they were there because it was also kind of like a prison fortress. So they uh, liberated yeah, someone, sweet. which was a new player, um, and just they just barely escaped to watch the fortress come crumble in flames behind them that kind of thing and wow. some prisoners escape they're not a heroic group by any means by the way um they're expecting to get paid a lot for this so we'll see how that shakes out but 22 rounds of combat player death and i think they burned through something like 10 potions of healing and there were lots of death saves being made throughout. jesus christ has an idea uh, reward them with a deed to the destroyed building that they yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nice. I love the way your foul mind works. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. No, so the best part about this is they're expecting to get paid a, a lot for this because the original contract was to assassinate this guy in a very specific way, and the wealthy baroness who is kind of um paying for this promised them a hundred platinum each that's a thousand gold each right mm. a lot of money especially at level five. um with the knowledge of two things number one money will scarcely make a difference anymore because of the resources in this area being already so low so they'll be weighed down in coin that they basically can't use because she's obviously corrupt also right mm. and secondly they didn't follow her plan at all um, her her idea was for them to quietly assassinate the captain of the guard so she could execute a coup of power, a transfer of power um, between her and the corrupt Baron. And as a result, they were like, nah, let's just kill the Baron ourselves and murder his family and burn down his house, which I've talked about before. So when she throws them 50 gold each, which is a, a you know a tenth, less than a tenth of their original promised price, um, they're going to throw a hissy fit. And that's when she gets to show them that they shouldn't have messed with her. So I'm very excited. And I hope they're they don't listen to this they're, podcast. They're absolutely <laughs> going to try and murder her immediately. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. they will. And then they'll realize who her benefactor is, who the person behind her is. And that's the BBEG of the module. So great. Yeah. That's what you get in the yeah, really cool. deals. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. fantastic. 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 James, any any stories from your um, games at all? Ooh. Um what have I had recently? Oh, I did uh I did recently do an in-person game uh, a few weeks ago. That was uh, that was very fun. Yay. And oh, yeah. um, I had it's uh it's a it's a encounter that I really like running anytime I get to do uh, an adventure in an icy setting, and that is a um lake crossing. Hmm. Where halfway through, a creature that's attacking them usually shatters the ice, mm. um, and <laughs> and then they're on these individual floating platforms trying to finish the combat. Um, oh, that's fun! That's cool. That's yeah, really cool. cool. What was the creature? Um, so I had a Wendigo go in, and um, <laughs> cool. So uh, uh, they're, they're one of my favorite creatures. They're not an official. It's not Certainly the stat block. <laughs> I will do. Uh, <laughs> so it was. It was a. It was a boss fight, and then it, it left, and then they had to track it after that. Um, nice. But they they had taken with them um, a rescue rescued owlbear cub. Um, so. As soon as that went into the water, they sort of stopped the fight. <laughs> and were like, Quick, <laughs> get Bidoof out of the water. <laughs> what, did they, what did they call it? Bidoof. Bidoof. Yep. <laughs> nice. I love parties. <laughs> Bidoof, the owl bear cub. Bidoof, the owl bear cub. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Great. They then spent three rounds of combat just ignoring the Wendigo that was trying to, to eat them <laughs> and trying to pull this baby Albert come from in between. Save him! Brilliant. I love that. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> I, find, I find the Remoras from the yeah. Monster Manual as one of the coolest ice slash Arctic based encounters. Um, do, you, do you know this one, Rob? Oh, yeah. The the Remoras. Some people say it differently. No. I say Remoras. Some people I say, say Remoras. Um, 
it's effectively an ice centipede, like a massive ice uh, centipede who has a heated body and kind of carves out or melts out tunnels that they move through. And as a result, have resistance to both fire and ice or fire and cold damage. And they are great ambushers, especially if you're like walking on a surface of ice and suddenly from underneath, they like melt their way up and burrow up and attack. And it's a cool ass encounter. There's a lot of that. Yeah. I've I've used some of those before. I think it's, um, I think the Bahir as well is another one that. Oh yeah, the Bahir is cool. Um, but I love I love using. Um, yeah. If I've got like an arena fight, um, gotcha. then a Bahir is one of my like go-to monsters for like the end, one of the the later stages. If you're going through like a, a you'd be thrown into an arena to fight for your life. Right. Chuck right. a Bahir in. Mm, cool, cool, cool. Well, <clears throat> thanks for. Uh, Join us again on the uh, podcast. It's been a pretty good one this week. Um, a bit of a short one, but um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I've, I've not been very well this week, so I'm kind of like mm, yeah, battling a chesty cough at the moment, which I keep having to go go on mute for. But uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> well, you're yeah. a trooper for, for doing it this week. Oh, cheers, cheers, cheers. Yes, uh, yes. No, it's not not. Um, I mean, it's not a big ask, is it really? I mean, it's uh, it's always always lovely talking to you both. So yeah. yeah was good three of us just nerding out yeah exactly exactly so um those uh actually in fact actually i did i forget to mention in the i did mention the discord that we'd be reading out um some answers to our survey with regards to the rolled up marches concept that we are currently knocking about yeah. Um, we're not going to we're not going to read out the um, the answers to the survey this week because we've only had well I said we haven't had we've had twenty seven replies which is amazing. Nice. Um, I think we can gather some more though before we start kind of like flashing it out. But um, but so far so good. The concept itself was pretty straightforward in the sense that you subscribe and join games. Mm-hmm. We're also thinking about an idea of pay per play as well, so that will also be an option. Um, and yeah, at the moment. We're going to probably stick to just two DMs. And I wonder if you could guess who those two DMs would likely be. Not a clue. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for joining in, guys. And we will, well, you'll hear us again next week. Indeed. Take care, everyone. Goodbye.